You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Three, two, one... But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 62. With a podcast in Assuming America. The Outdoor Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. People. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. And let me tell you this. We have ourselves a little plot twist this week on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Okay, so here is the deal. Here's what you need to know. Today was just supposed to be a little bit of a bonus episode. We come back to a full show on Wednesday. John Jastrzemski from The Ringer. For people who are not familiar with his work, he is an excellent young voice based out of New York. A good friend of mine. Used to work at WFAN, the famous radio station there. Now hosts a very popular podcast with The Ringer called uh, New York, New York. And I want to bring JJ on because it feels like in college basketball, there's a lot going on in the New York area. St. John's, what's up there? Is my Rick Patino hypothesis true? We're going to discuss that. And JJ is also a Syracuse guy. So it felt like, oh, this will be fun. We'll talk a little Syracuse. Get the perspective of a Syracuse alum, media member, whatever, on Jim Beheim, his present and future. That was the plan for today, and we will still get to JJ. But we're going to start the show. We got a crazy update on the Jaden Rashada story. Jaden Rashada, the high four-star, you know, low five-star, whatever, quarterback, the NIL stuff. It came out about two, three weeks ago. Well, the Athletic put out a very interesting, detailed piece on everything that happened. Jaden Rashada's part, his parents' part, the boosters' part, all that good stuff. So this is the new schedule for the Aaron Torres pod this week. We're going to do a full show today. Jaden Rashada, then we will talk to JJ about all sorts of whatever with New York. Probably no Wednesday show. My my Tuesday night is a little bit uh, hectic. I don't know if I'll be able to do the Wednesday show. So let's plan on the Monday show I just did. The Tuesday show today. And then I will reconnect later in the week on whatever the late week show looks like. Obviously, we'll talk Super Bowl. Uh, we'll talk anything that happened in college hoops. Tuesday is a loaded night. Arkansas, Kentucky, amongst the many games there. Uh, and I might have a guest for you come Friday. So stay tuned. We'll do maybe a Thursday, Friday, maybe just a Friday episode of the Air Tours pod. But this is the show of record for the middle of the week, if you will. So John Jastrzemski coming up. But with that said, whoo, buddy, let's get to the topic of the day. 
and the topic of the day, listen, as I said, this was supposed to be a quick 20-minute in-and-out Aaron Torres pot. Just one problem. On Monday morning, we got some very interesting details on everything that happened with Jaden Rashada, the four-star quarterback, had been committed to Florida, decommits, it's crazy, there's NIL, blah, 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 this and that. And so we got all sorts of updates on this. We heard about what happened from his family's perspective, from the Florida perspective, how much money was actually offered. It is staggering. So I don't want to waste any more time. I want to give you the details of what we knew, what we learned on Tuesday or on Monday, and then most importantly, uh, what I kind of think of all of it, right? So let's start from the beginning, and I'm just going to give you the 30-second who Jaden Rashada is for people who may not be familiar. But this was the highly rated quarterback Last summer, he made headlines, was a Florida lean, set to commit to Florida, sets a commitment date, last second decides to, quote unquote, take a visit to Miami, and all of a sudden, he commits to Miami. At the time, there's NIL tampering allegations. He was going to go to Florida, but blah, 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 blah. I bring it up because in the fall, he decides, you know what? I do want to go to Florida. Flips from Miami to Florida, and all seems well and good until about three weeks ago when it was time for him to actually enroll at Florida. All his stuff is shipped to the state of Florida. This kid is from California. And then we find out that he's not enrolling at Florida. All his stuff's in the state. And we find out through the grapevine and good reporting from multiple outlets that basically the NIL deal that Jaden Rashada had agreed to, Florida basically voided it. They just said, we're not paying you. And so over the last two, three weeks, Jaden Rashada has since kind of regrouped. I feel bad for the kid. We'll get into that. But he decommitted from Florida, got out of his letter of intent. He ultimately signed with Arizona State. He's a West Coast kid from the Bay Area. His dad played at Arizona State. But over the last couple of weeks, there's just been this crazy kind of want to know all of the details of everything that happened in this recruitment and how did we get here? How was he committed to Florida, signed with Florida, set to enroll? on campus, basically in Southern Florida, playing in the Under Armour All-American game, set to go to Gainesville, never shows up because the school isn't going to, not the school, the collective isn't going to pay him. Well, on Monday, we got some details courtesy of a great report from The Athletic. And listen, I don't know all the guys over there, used to work with Stu Mandel, used to work with Bruce Feldman, have an immense amount of respect for those guys, Andy Staples, all of the people that worked on this story, want to give credit to The Athletic because they did an unbelievable job on this story. But the question becomes, Torres, what do we learn in this story? Well, first we learned how much Jaden Rashada was getting paid, what he was going to have to do, and all the circumstances around it. So how much was he going to get paid? There had been reports that it was upwards of $13 million. Some outlets said that number was insane. That wasn't even close to the actual number. Well, as it turns out, it was pretty close to that number. Here's what we found out via The Athletic on payments to Jaden Rashada. Again, a high four-star recruit, four-star quarterback in the class of 2023 from the University of Florida, from one of their collectives. He was going to get paid. Are you ready for this? 500000 up front, basically the day that he signed. Then a $250,000 payment every single month. For his freshman year, $291,666.66 every month for his junior year, or for his sophomore year, 
375000 for his junior year. And if he was still there for a senior year, and the assumption is he's going to be three and done, he'll be out of college by then. But if he is there, he his quote-unquote salary, if you will, his NIL agreement is probably the right way to put it, would bump down to $195,000 a month. So that was what he was about to get paid. And here is what he had to do for the NIL portion of it, the name image likeness. He must be in, in, uh, endorsing something big, right? Well, not exactly. According to the athletics report, here is what he had to do. He had to be a resident of Gainesville, Florida. Had to be just in the city. He had to do at least one branded Twitter post and one branded Instagram post per month. He had to do up to eight fan engagements per year. So just basically show up, sign autographs, social media engagements, video, uh, whatever that might be. None of them were obligated to be longer than two hours. And he might must sign at least 15 pieces of merchandise per year. The one caveat, and we're going to find out a little bit about that in a minute, is that the contract also stipulated that the collective can, in its sole and absolute discretion, terminate the agreement without penalty or further obligation. And that is exactly what happened in late December when the collective basically just said, you know what? We ain't going to pay this. And so that is what happened. That is what we found out. This was from a contract, uh, 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 what do you say, obtained by The Athletic. And now let's talk about some thoughts on what I just told you because those details are insane. All right, so let's get into it. Let's discuss. Let's debate. I got about five, six thoughts. I'm just going to throw them at you one after one after one. The first one, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And so here's the thing. I'll be honest, obviously, as all of this stuff was going on, I made calls to some people that I kind of are in the know and how much do you know and blah, 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 and this and that. And what I was kind of told was that the reported $13 million number wasn't necessarily wrong, but that it wasn't like a NFL contract. Like it, it, what I was told was that it was very incentive based, right? It was, very, it was, if you're named a starter, you get this, you know, there's, there's a base level of money that he was going to make, but you know, that, that if you get named starter, you get this much. If you win this many games, you get that much. If you win the sec East, you get that much. If you win the sec, you get that much, almost like a coach's contract where yes, a coach has a base salary, but if you win the sec, if you go to the playoff, if you make the national championship, if you win the national championship, you get more. That was my understanding of what Jaden Rashada's contract was. I was completely wrong because this is a flat out, basically a professional contract. Now we'll get into the quote unquote NIL element of it in a minute, but I'm blown away. $250,000 a month for a kid that had never taken a snap in college is an insane amount of money. I'll give you an example. Brock Purdy, seventh round pick. He made as a base salary as a rookie this year. This was the guy that led San Francisco to the NFC Championship game. Won two playoff games. Brock Purdy made $934,000. Jaden Rashada was set to make that in less than four months. If you take the $500,000 signing bonus with the $250,000 a month, in two months, he was going to make more than Brock Purdy made in his entire rookie year with San Francisco. So this is an insane amount of money. Um, and it leads to kind of my second thought. My second thought is one, don't blame the kid because what I it, it, really don't blame the kid also plays into what kind of my second, third thought is, which is 
I hate to say I told you so, but we all knew this is what NIL was going to become. And so a couple of things here. One, from the beginning, from back in 2018, 2019, 2020, when the first NIL legislation legislation first went through all these kind of government entities, um, I said from the beginning, I'm not anti-NIL. What I am not what I am, what I'm not personally in favor of, and it doesn't really matter what I'm personally in favor of, but what I said was I'm not in favor of NIL without any regulations at all. Because one, NIL without any regulations at all immediately becomes pay for play. And then two, when there's NIL without any regulations at all, when the schools can't be involved, you know what ends up happening? Unscrupulous adults get involved as well. And so in a perfect world, and and again, I don't have all the answers. I'm not anti-players getting paid. But I think we all understand that when this started, it was supposed to be, you know, you can sell your jersey or you can do an autograph signing or whatever. It wasn't supposed to be we're just throwing bags of cash at four-star quarterback recruits. Now, again, these are the rules. This is what somebody was willing to pay. So I am not anti-Jaden Rashada or even anti-Jaden Rashada's family. But when you do this without any guidelines, without any stipulations, without any rules, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have parents that are essentially pimping out their kids. And to be clear, that is what Harlan Rashada, Jaden Rashada's dad did. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but in the article, there's a couple references to a couple different things. One, whenever they would go on visits, they'd kind of sort of ask, hey, you know, what's kind of your NIL setup? And then a few days later, a lawyer would call that school and say, hey, this is what we're expecting to sign with your school. And what we actually found out was that several schools actually pulled scholarship offers from this kid because they saw right away that it was going to be a bidding war and this is not what they wanted to get involved in. So one, when you have NIL without any regulations, the schools can't get involved. You have outside entities from the collectives. You have outside entities from whatever. You get situations like this where on the one hand, don't love the way that Jaden Rashada's dad handled things. I should mention, by the way, even in the article, they said that Jaden Rashada wanted to commit to Florida from the beginning, committed to Miami because that was the best setup at that time. D commits to Miami, commits to Florida because that's where he wants to go. But now this whole thing gets, gets botched and this kid isn't even going to the school that he wants. By the way, this is not all on the Rashada family or Rashada's, you know, people either. A lot of this is on Florida and their collectives as well. Now, listen. They wrote the contract the way that they did for a very specific reason. If at any point they wanted to get out and he wasn't worth it, it sounds like this was actually a very one-sided contract. It sounds to me, and I could be wrong. I'm not a lawyer. If we have a lawyer listening, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me, Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. But the actual verbiage of the contract said that the collective can, in its sole and absolute discretion, terminate the agreement without penalty or further obligation. So if I'm reading that correct, it means that if the, the the collective didn't terminate this thing before this kid ever enrolled, they could have decided after spring ball, oh, he's not the guy. Let's get out of this. They could have decided next year when he isn't named the starter, oh, he's not the guy. Let's get out of this. They could have, whatever, after a year, after two years, and this kid maybe wants to stay at Florida, and all of a sudden he's guaranteed this much money, and now it's all gone. So blame the adults in this situation. Don't blame the kid. I actually feel bad for the kid. We're going to get into some more details in a minute because there's just some really, really sad stuff here. 
Couple other thoughts. One, for many of you wondering, two quick things. One, this is how NIL now works. Because again, we put it in without any guardrails. Now, I don't believe the NCAA is going to do anything even with this report out that this was essentially pay for play because one, the NCAA doesn't want to get into litigation. Two, if they stop, you know, if they stop this, it could be seen as impeding kind of a free market. By the way, this is why I wanted guardrails, but I knew the NCAA wasn't going to put one in, but weren't going to put any in because if they do, then they're setting themselves up for litigation. So I don't believe the NCAA is going to get involved, even though this is obviously pay for play. But at the same time, I thought it was very interesting. Some of the expectations, if you want to call them that, of Jaden Rashada when he got to campus. Sounds like a pretty loose NIL deal for me. Up to eight fan engagements per year. One branded Twitter post per year. Autograph 15 pieces of merchandise total, like 15 footballs total. That's the whole obligation. And so what that says to me is something that I started to hear about a year ago. As more and more of these collectives popped up and we knew they were going to have a role in recruiting. What I was basically told was, yeah, all these collectives, they're just flight giving kids money and they're calling it NIL. And they, they basically are saying like, okay, once you get to con- once you get to campus, we'll figure out a way for you to do something for us. Uh, but just sign on the dotted line. Just come be part of what we're doing. We'll figure out the NIL part later. So this is very much pay for play. No, I don't believe the NCAA is going to do anything. Um, but as we start to wrap up, I will say one thing. I, I I do think this is a little bit of an eye-opener for the public, but I also think it's an eye-opener to what I think the next wave of NIL looks like. And I've talked about this before, but listen, everybody looks bad in this situation. Whether we should be blaming Jaden Rashada or not, and we should not be blaming Jaden Rashada. His family, okay. Florida's boosters, okay. Florida, because we know they had to know something was going on, okay. But at the same time, What this says to me, I do think we are slowly going to inch towards a world where we kind of get out of this space, where we get out of bidding for high school recruits and more of the money is funneled to players actually on campus. This is something we've talked about a million times on this show. But first of all, uh, there's always going to be a market for elite five-star players, especially quarterbacks, especially edge rushers, all that stuff. But I do think we're eventually going to get to a world where these boosters are going to say, wait a second. I'm guaranteeing 250K a month to a four-star quarterback. I don't even know if he's going to be any good. Let me pay that to the guys currently in the program. And I think that's where we're headed. You know, I I, I talked about all this, but when Mark Stoops in the middle of the, the, the season basically called out his administration and said, RNIL is behind. I never believed that Mark Stoops was going to buy recruits. I think what Mark Stoops was afraid of was that his players were going to enter the portal because they felt like there was going to be a better alternative out there for them financially. I told you, I spoke with somebody who kind of runs one of these collectives, helps with one of these collectives in Big Ten country. He said, just because, you know, we're not in the headlines, our guys are getting very well taken care of. It's just not in the way that some other schools are doing it. We're not going out there and just bidding on recruits. But once our kids get to campus, once they produce, we're making sure that they know that they are very well taken care of. And that's the way it should be, by the way, right? That's the way it should be. You come to campus, you earn your spot, you produce, you create revenue and create value for the school. You should be compensated for that. You should be compensated. I'm just going to throw out a number. You should be given a couple grand, five grand, 10 grand, whatever, to show up to a dinner or a meet and greet or an autograph session if you've done something. 
So I think that's where we're getting. I think that's where we are. But this still is a shocking article on just how this is really going on right now behind the scenes in college football. Now, as we wrap a couple things, one, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Be very interested what happens with Florida's 2024 recruiting class. Now, right now, it's not terrible. They actually have a five-star quarterback committed, which is the ironic part, uh, out of Florida, DJ Lagway. But I'll be very curious to see how they recruit in 2024. Because I will tell you, if I was at Florida State, if I was at Miami, if I was at Alabama, if I was at Georgia, and one of these kids was considering Florida, I'd sit there and say, eh, is that really where you want to go? That That's really where you want to go. Because you saw what happened with Rashada. You ain't going to get paid. So they're going to promise you something. They're just not going to deliver. Very curious to see what happens with Billy Napier. And then finally, I'm very curious to see what happens with Jaden Rashada. And, and I can't emphasize this enough. And this is one of the reasons, again, I was never anti-NIL. But there need to be guardrails because people get taken advantage of. And often, it's the kid. It's the 17, 18, 19-year-old that has no life experience. They just want to play football. They just want to play basketball. And the adults behind the scenes are making decisions. Unfortunately, this has been going on for far too long. And we all know stories just like this. But think about this kid. There was a story in the athletic report of Jaden Rashada after he committed to Miami, showing up to Elite 11. And everybody knowing this kid got that NIL bag and all the eyes are on him. How good is he? Is he worth everything that he's reportedly getting? And after the first day, after camp is done, he's struggling and he's there crying because the pressure is getting to him in a way that that he could never imagine. And so I'll be honest, I'm a Jaden Rashada fan. I'm wishing him well. I hope he goes to Arizona State. He's not going to start this year, I don't believe. Drew Pine, the transfer from Notre Dame, Connecticut kid, stand up, baby. Um, I think Drew Pine is probably going to be the guy. And then we'll see if Jaden Rashada is good enough in 2024 to earn that starting spot. Last thought really quick. I thought it was very interesting. According to the report, and I saw Andy Staples tweet this as well, the belief is that Jaden Rashada is getting nothing in NIL to go to Arizona State. So you talk about a situation where the adults in this situation were just, evil is not the right word, but just so disappointing. A father who doesn't let his kid go where he wants to go, a bunch of boosters who screw it all up, because they made promises they can't keep or they decided not to keep. It's disappointing. I know everybody's anti-NCAA. They hate the NCAA. But I'll tell you, I do hope that we get some sort of guardrails or regulations in this where we're going to hear a lot more stories like this. All right. So what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. When I come back, my buddy John Jastrzemski, I've, I've laid it out. And JJ, you know, everybody calls him JJ, just a a really good friend of mine. I've known about five, six years, never had the real reason to have him on the pod, but with the Jim Beheim news, I thought he'd be great on it. Jim Beheim, he is a Syracuse alum, not Jim Beheim, but John Dostremski is a Syracuse alum. Talk a little bit about him. And then he lives in New York. He's hosted radio in New York forever. He takes callers. He knows what New York City basketball, what basketball means to New York City and he knows what St. John's could be if they ever get good again. So John Jastrzemski is next. Quick reminder, probably no Wednesday show. Probably no Wednesday show. Uh, I, you know, if something, if Arkansas, Kentucky goes to triple overtime or something, I'll obviously reconsider. But realistically, we'll probably be back on Thursday or Friday. 
but enjoy John Dostremski. And uh, that Jaden Rashada stuff is fascinating. Time for me to get out of here, at least for now. Throw over to John Dostremski. Shout out to Orn Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. Unblock me, bro. Quick break. Come back. John Dostremski from The Ringer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, we're going to get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. By now, you know their story started in 1967 in the UK. Over 1,200 shops in the UK. And Betfred has come to the U.S. and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, Colorado Rockies, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres Media, but what I love about Betfred is they do more for their customers than anybody else in the sports betting space. And here is the great news. Here is the great news. Two pieces of great news, actually. One, the Betfred Sportsbook in Las Vegas is officially open at the Mohegan Sun Casino. Make sure to check it out there in Vegas. It's officially open, ready to go. It is going to be awesome. Two, big game coming this weekend. And here's the good news. Nobody takes care of their customers like Betfred, as I told you. And here is the crazy part. If you bet 50 on any game, but there's a big one on Sunday, you already know who's playing. Betfred will give you up to $1,000, $1,111 in free bets. As a matter of fact, let me explain how it happens. Here's what you got to do. Go to the Betfred Sportsbook app, download the Betfred Sportsbook app, place any bet for at least $50. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But here's the best part. You then get up to $200 a week in insurance for the first five weeks that you are part of the Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. So in other words, you bet, you lose up to $200. Betfred will refund you for up to five weeks. It doesn't get better than that. So thank you to Betfred Sportsbook. They are the presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Podcast, all things Aaron Torres Media. Bet 50 on any game including the big one this weekend. Uh, 1111 in free bets. Thank you again to the Betfred Sportsbook. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Joining me via Zoom. Um, man, we go back a ways. Longtime friend. Host of the New York, New York podcast on Ringer. Formerly of WFAN. And it was funny. So John Jastrzemski is joining me. I was thinking about this, JJ. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I saw you last year on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. And you were busy recording an emergency podcast reaction to James Harden getting traded from the Nets. And here we are a year and a day later and Kyrie Irving is off on his way to Dallas. So the New York, uh, you know, the New York stuff never sleeps. We don't have to really talk Kyrie today, but I was just thinking about that today, man. Like poor KD a year ago and change. He had James Harden and Kyrie. Now he's got neither. What's going on? That was a long introduction. What's going on, man? Uh, I'm doing well, Aaron. Thanks for asking, number one. Number two, you're absolutely right. Last year at Radio Row, I had to ruin all my football spots because James Harden got traded for Ben Simmons. At least before I depart for Phoenix, I get the net nonsense (laughs) out of the way on Sunday with Kyrie Irving getting traded to Dallas. And good for Josiah basically saying, hey, Kyrie, you want the Lakers? Screw you. I'm not sending you to the Lakers. You could go to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, KD, Aaron, listen. He's a brilliant basketball player. He's had a marvelous career. His decision to hitch his wagon to that lunatic is going to go down as one of the dumbest basketball decisions one could ever make. I mean, in all seriousness, how do you hitch your wagon to that guy? Well, and I'll say this really quick, and you're actually the perfect person to throw this theory by. I knew that relationship was doomed. I can tell you the exact moment in time. It was in the lead up to their signing. There was all, you know, for a year it was, they're going to go to the Knicks. They're going to save the franchise. They're going to reinvigorate the garden. And then like two weeks before Kyrie was like, yeah, I think we'll go to Brooklyn instead. And KD was like, okay, we'll go to Brooklyn. It's like, KD, you should never be like Kyrie should be, uh, you know, throwing rose petals at your feet to follow you wherever you're going. And you're following this dude to Brooklyn. And I'll tell you, I've thought about that many times. You know, I was on air, the famous KD game where, you know, his foot was on the line, whatever. Um, it, it, imagine JJ, you're the New York guy. Like, imagine those two at MSG. And I hate to rehash for if a Knicks fan stumbles across this, but that was when I knew they were doomed. I was like, it makes sense to hit your wagon at Kyrie if you're going to New York or if you're going to the Knicks and you want to, you know, save this. I don't know if save is the right word, but but just if if KD brings the championship to the Knicks, he is a historical icon. If he doesn't in Brooklyn. You could answer better than I could. But the point was, I knew they were doomed the second that 
in the you know 11th hour Kyrie was like yeah you know I think well I, I'm, I'm more digging Brooklyn right now instead of the Knicks so yeah there's something to that there's clearly something to that and yes it would be a lot more significant uh and it would mean a lot more if you're talking about these guys winning and winning big at the Garden compared to Brooklyn but Aaron did you imagine if we lived through what we have lived through true Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were Knicks as That's opposed true. to them being Nets like, you think it's a big story now. You take that times 100 if they were in Knickerbocker uniforms. My goodness. That's a fair point. I think the stat was that KD, Kyrie, and James Harden ended up playing 12 games together. I can't even imagine what it would have been like if they had done that in a Knicks uniform. So, all right, man, let's talk a little college hoops because that's why you're on the air. So you um, so you host in New York. You cover New York sports. We're going to get to St. John's in a minute. But you're also a Q's alum, and – you and I have gone back and forth on this for years, and my Huskies right now are not playing great basketball themselves, so I can't really say much. But um, I kind of want to talk to you about St. John's anyway, but this Jim Beheim thing happens, and I clearly have my thoughts on it. I've shared them. Everybody knows them. You're an alum. You're a Q's guy. You went to school up there. You've been to the Carrier Dome a million times. Like, where where are you at as a fan, as an alum? And speak on behalf as much as you can of the Syracuse fan base as to where they are with Jim Beheim right now, because I can only speak to as an outsider. I don't want to speak for how the fan base feels. I'm curious what your thoughts are as being an alum and all that. All right. So this is a very complicated question. Please. Okay. And I'm going to tell it. you why. No, no, no. Because there's a lot of moving ports and there's a lot of layers to this. I understand that Jim Beheim is Syracuse basketball, right? Like he built the program. He's been there for 40-something years. I do believe, despite the program's downturn, and there's no getting around that over the last eight years, they're not the same program they once were. You know, I lived through Derek Jeter at the end at shortstop. I lived through Jorge Posada behind the plate for the Yankees. So, like, I understand the narrative of, well, Jim gets to kind of call his shot on when he's going to retire. That's one argument. What he said on Saturday, though, set me off the wall. And it had nothing to do with his retirement comments. It had everything to do about the landscape in college basketball changing and his attitude towards that change in college basketball. You know, he's referencing Jay Wright and he's referencing Mike Krzyzewski saying, oh, it's horrible. That's why they got out. Well, hold on a second now, Jim. You're still coaching. These are the rules. You either have to deal with these rules or you could go join your pals and enjoy the golf course. That's what it boils down to, Aaron. That, to me, more... Anytime I hear the retirement timetable with Jim Behan, that's that's his call. That's the university's call. And I do believe, like, yeah, he's kind of earned the right at that school to kind of call his shot to when he's going to retire. Like, who am I? Or who is John Wildack or whoever to say, all right, Jim, you're out. But let's acknowledge facts. They're not the same program they were. They clearly don't have the same standard they once had. And when I hear comments about the NIL, hold on a second. They just got a top 100 recruit, local guy. The only reason I know this because I like Adam Weitzman a lot. I love what he's doing for the program. Like, they they need buzz there. And they haven't had a lot of buzz on the court outside of the Buddy Beheim run and outside of some miracle tournament runs. So I like the idea that they're bringing stars to the carrier dome. Great, you're bringing Jalen Hurts. Great, you're bringing Jimmy Fallon and Tom Brady. He went out. And got a recruit via the NIL. Big recruit. Paid him. Okay. You're you're involved in that game now, Jim. So that's a long-winded answer. 
What's my bottom line with Syracuse? I'm not happy with the state of the program. I think most alum that you talk to are not happy with the state of the program. I respect Jim Beheim's career. He's got a great tenure. Nobody's debating, disputing that over the longevity. But if you don't see the program start to adapt to the 2023 era of college basketball, then it's time everybody's got to get in a room and say, what are we doing here? That's what it boils down to. Because the standard for Syracuse basketball, even though they're in central New York, even though it's freezing cold, only time I've seen snow this year, Aaron, it's still a basketball haven if you do it right. So a lot of thoughts on that. One, first of all, the thing that cracked me up about it, and you know, I, I put out you know my thoughts, and I put out a video on YouTube, and everyone's like, well, wh- what did he say that was wrong? Well, it's like, well, first of all, come on. Wake Forest's best player is a six-year senior who started his career at They're JUCO guys. That's yeah. the thing. They're JUCO guys. The pick guys. No, no, no. Well, hold on a second. Outside of D.R. Johnson, who's Aaron? Not that I am a guy that's going to be able to recite every top five in college basketball, nor do, nor do I pretend to. But Pittsburgh didn't exactly go and get you know top fifty recruits that remade their team. Come on now, their best player was on the back end of Chris Beard's bench at Texas Tech, transferred to Pitt. He's now in his I think second or third year there and has developed nicely. But here's the crazy part: the funny part about that quote, and I think it got a little bit lost in the shuffle. Was was two parts to it? Was one, he wasn't really complaining about the state of NIL. He was complaining that his boosters are not doing what they need to do. If you read the quote carefully, he says, you know, but what about my guys? My guys aren't even getting 20K, blah, 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 this and that. But then the other part, and this was the part that tripped me up, it was part of an article that stated that he wants to come back for next year. So if it's that bad, as you said, why are you, like like if it's that bad, as you said, go hang out on the golf course, enjoy time with your kids, you know, they're probably playing overseas, enjoy time with your wife, whatever. But that was the part that tripped me up. If it's that bad, why? I don't know. It's just, it's unbelievable. Well, and Aaron, that's the question. Yeah. You know, if this was a coach who hadn't won a title or hadn't won, you know, yeah, you're like, what nice. is there to prove? You're pushing 80 years old. You've won at Syracuse. You won a zillion games. You've been to the Final Four a bunch. You want to tell me he wants to go out where the team is not, you know, an NIT team, where the team doesn't have a losing record? All right. Let me see this young group that they have next year get to the tournament. They're not getting there this year. We all know that. That, to me, after after next year, and that's also assuming, Aaron, oh, by the way, that all of the guys Syracuse has who are the you know, freshman 5-6 in this crazy world of college basketball, are they all coming back? Mm-hmm. Does anybody come about back? that? Yeah. No, and so let me ask you two questions. So the first one is this, and I want you to explain, because I've been to games at the Dome – and I've said this on this show many times is what you said is like, it is still a basketball haven, a Mecca or whatever. And this is what I keep coming back to is I've heard other people say over the last two, three, four years, as we know, it's sort of coming to an end. Like, well, you know, I mean, Bayheim kind of built the program. How good will it be post Bayheim? I'm like, dude, look at the win loss record. I think this it's guy not good right now, you're not wrong there. It's not good. But people are saying, what's it going to be like when he leaves? They haven't finished in the top five in their conference since 2014. How much worse can it get? And by the way, the ACC is terrible over the last three, four years. So my, what I want you to do, you, you lived it. You, you were around the program. You went to school there. And I think you're, I think you're about, I know you're about my age. They were probably pretty good when you were there. Reasonably good. Top 20, whatever. I don't know. You know. My junior and senior year perspective. First two years, they missed a tournament. 
first year they should have never missed the tournament. They got totally screwed by the committee. I think they were like 11 and six in the Big East. Weird year. Second year was Johnny Flynn, Dante Green. They did deserve to miss the tournament that year. My junior year, six overtime game. I was there. And then my senior year, they they were the best team in the country my senior year. That was the Onowaku blowing his knee out at the Garden. They lose to that Butler team in the Sweet 16. That team, I, I do believe, Aaron, if Onowaku does not get hurt, they win the national championship in 2010. But that was a um, – I had a good run at Syracuse. When I was there, they were pretty good. My junior so- and senior year are outstanding. And that perfectly plays into, by the way, I was at the six overtime game. I'll tell you that story another time. Me too. Oh, me were too, you? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, All I was. Right. I was All doing right. our radio show right after the game. They were like booting me from Madison Square Garden. They're like, kid, <laughs> get out of here. It's three in the morning. What the hell are you still doing here? Well, that was, uh, I caught the last train back to Connecticut that day. But I want, uh, but this is my question. I think for people that are, you know, if, if you're under 25, like you only know Syracuse is this perpetual, like fringe bubble NCAA tournament. Bubble team. team. Yeah. Yeah. Tell people, like, what can Syracuse be? What was it like being in the Dome that year when you were a top five team in the country? Because I was there um, for a couple games when I was at UConn, and there is no home court in America like that. I can definitively say I've been to Rupp Arena. I've been to Pauley Pavilion. I've been to Assembly Hall. There is nothing like that. And I don't think people realize how good Syracuse can be. And I understand it's a changing landscape with transfers and NIL and this and that. I don't think people realize how great this place can be because it's been a while since they've been at the top of the sport. Uh, it's rocking. You nailed it. Like, I've been at the Dome when they have 34,000, 35,000 in there. I went to the Virginia game, Aaron. Now it's a Monday night, and the team is not as good. You're not getting 30,000 on a Monday night. But to have significant sections of the upper deck empty mm. for Syracuse at home in conference – playing a top 10 team that kind of speaks to all right the economy number one that we'll live in in but it also speaks to the apathy that there is towards the program right now where it's like listen you guys gotta earn it it's not there you're coming off a losing year and let's be real about this Aaron the Bayheim buddy run which was a ton of fun it came out of nowhere they got to the sweet 16. Outside of that, dude, three of the last four years, if you're counting that 2020 COVID year, Syracuse wasn't going to be a tournament team. It really is going to be three out of four years where they're on the outside looking in. Let me ask you, um, I kind of feel, I, I do feel like the wind, the, the the tides are starting to turn against Bayheim. And tell me if you agree or disagree. I, f- I feel like one, you know, he's still, he's weird with reporters and he's going after students and he's got all that part. Then there's this NIL stuff where it feels like there's people chomping in the bit ready to come after him. We saw pit assistants coming after him, whatever. I do feel like, though, the fan base, what, what you said that you believe that he deserves to kind of call his own retirement. What percentage of the fan base would you say agrees with you? Because I look at it as I, the way that I perceive it from the outside, it feels like most people up until this year, they were like, okay, you know, he was here. They're good. Now they're not so good, but his kids are coming. Well, let's see what happens when his kids leave. Well, now his kids leave and they're still not good. And so I guess my question is like, what percentage or what, you know, how much of the fan base is in your camp of he's still, he, he's a legend. He gets to dictate when he leaves and how many are just like, dude, we, we, we've survived a few bad years. Then we waited for his kids to leave. Now his kids are gone and he's still here. Like what percentage would you say? is in your camp. What percentage do you say, I want him out? What percentage do you say can stay as long as he wants? Man, that's an interesting question. 
I would have said a year ago, two years ago, when they went to the Sweet 16, 95%. Sure. Maybe even close to 100%. This guy, he leaves when he wants to leave. That was two years ago. Now, I'd probably say it's like 60-40. 65-35. I, I think most of the Syracuse fans are going to be like, look, we're not happy with the state of the program. We're not happy with the job Beheim has done over the last few years, but he's still Jim Beheim. Like, we're going to – it's like Derek Jeter. Like, Derek Jeter, not to compare Derek Jeter as a player and Jim Beheim as a coach, but you get my drift. In 2014, in his last year, he clearly was not Derek Jeter from 2009 or 2006, but he's Derek Jeter. He's leading off. He's batting second. He's playing shortstop for the Yankees. That's how, like, I kind of look at it with Beham. I don't want him coaching till he's 90, Aaron. You know, <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not necessarily suggesting that, but I'm not going to be the guy to be like, Jim, you got to get the hell out of here. So mm-hmm. I think what will end up happening is they're going to have a very tough conversation. I think you're going to have a lot of boosters. I think you're going to have a lot of angry people at the end of this year saying, Jim, what's the point? What's the point? Now, maybe he's giving them that info and he's not making it public. And knowing Beheim, Aaron, and I don't know him great, obviously, but, you know, I was around a program. I I went to Syracuse. Does he strike you as a guy that's going to go through the whole Coach K retirement tour? Not my opinion. I I, I don't see that at all from Jim Bay. I don't think he wants that. First of all, he's not going to get that love and that adoration. <laughs> no. no, he's a, he's he's a whiner. That's it. Yeah. Beheim, that, that's not his way. You, see, that's the thing, like, with him berating the reporters. That's nothing new. Aaron, you know sure. this. When they were number one in the country, I'm sure I got some snippy answers from Jim Beheim when I asked a few questions and, uh, on quite a few occasions. Nobody cares when you're winning. You're right. When you're losing, when you're in the middle of the pack of the ACC and you're not going to sniff the NCAA tournament, that's when that stuff gets highlighted, it gets magnified, and it makes you look worse. Bottom line, you're winning, nobody cares. All right, very good. Let's switch gears real quick because you got some other stuff to take care of before you head out to Arizona for the Super Bowl. Um, so we talked about how great Syracuse can be, like when it's Syracuse, when it's at the best. St. John's, man. Like, so I, I've been on this thing, and, and we could talk about the Patino element of it for a while or in a minute, but like I bring it up because Patino's in the city, and I'm just like, dude, I am old enough to remember. Not even like the great years like you again, you and I are the same age. Like we don't remember Chris Mullen like we don't remember that. But even like when it was Ron Artest, even when it was uh, Eric Barkley, a name that some some may remember. Many probably don't like Bootsy Thornton. Bootsy Thornton, man. Like, come on, man. And, you know, and, and I think you're the perfect person to ask this because you hosted radio, you take calls and New York is such a like a passionate city about everything. I remember texting you one time during a Rangers playoff run. You're like, oh yeah, our phones are lit up at 2 a.m. to talk Rangers. What would New- what would New York City be like if St. John's was ever actually legitimately good again? Maybe not like number one in the country, but like legitimate, real good, top 10, fun to watch. Like what would that be like for the city of New York if St. John's could ever get back there? It's a great question. And I don't have much to reference yeah. it on, Aaron, because they've been irrelevant for the better part of 15 to 20 years. Let's be honest. Since Mike Jarvis left, since a lot of those names we just mentioned left, it's always going to be a pro sports town, right? Like, that's New York City. The Knicks are going to drive. The Jets and the Giants are going to drive. The, the Yankees and the Mets are going to drive. Like, they are the, the engines of New York City. But 
I am curious to see what St. John's would be like if they were legitimately top 25 good. I know this, mm-hmm. come January and February, people be watching their games. People be talking about their games. They wouldn't be playing St. John's and Seton Hall at Carnesecca like they were last week. Think about that for a minute. That is mm-hmm. St. John's and Seton Hall. And they're not playing that game at Madison Square Garden. Why? Aaron, it's all about economics. They didn't think they were going to sell out Madison Square Garden. That's why Seton Hall and St. John's were playing at Carnesecca. So... I would love to see it. It's one of those like improbable fantasies, though, because, dude, let's be real about St. John's. They've made the tournament, what, two or three times in the last 20 years? They've not won a tournament game in over 20 years, dude. 20 years in this world of parity and college basketball where if you get in, anything can happen. You win a game or two. They haven't won a tournament game in 20-plus years. That's how you gain a whole lot of apathy, my man. I'm looking right now. Yeah, last tournament appearance overall. Is this right? 2019? I don't remember well, that. Well, they're right. in that first four. I think they oh, have Oh, with Chris Mullen. Yeah, that's right. My yeah, guy Mullen. And then, and then Lavin got them there once, and they got smoked, I want to say, by it was Gonzaga. I think they played Gonzaga out on the West Coast, and they got absolutely smoked. That's but, wild. like, yeah, they've not been a team that's consistently made the dance. Nowhere yeah. close to that. I think – I think the city would rock because, I, you know, I say this all the time about the SEC. People think the SEC is a football conference. The SEC is a winning conference. If you're good, they'll support you in whatever. And that's the vibe that I get from New York. Now, is it going to be, you know, is it going to be leading your show over the Knicks, over the Giants, over the Yankees, over whatever? Probably not. I think people would wrap their arms around it. Okay, I got to ask. You, you talk to people in the media. By the way, you talk about how, like, uninteresting they are. I saw a clip of... Mike Anderson, who's the current head coach, his media, you know, his press availability. There were like three reporters there in the back of Carnesecca. It's really bad. I, I was like blown away. This is the media capital of the world. There's like three reporters covering this team right now. So I bring it up to say, I have been on this. You have to call Rick Pitino. Like he's in the city. Um, I, I have been told by multiple people who know him. He really only wants to live in New York or South Florida. Miami, the job Miami job is not opening. Miami, as we're recording, was beating the brakes off of Duke. I don't have a score right now. They might be losing for all I know. I hope My- so, because I bet Miami minus three and a half, and I actually just stepped away. So I hope no shenanigans have happened. It was uh, great- yeah, they're up by 22 points. I, it was I a great bet. Yeah. Well, Jim Laranag ain't going anywhere. We- so here's the thing. So, okay, okay. So let me just set the stage. We we all know Rick Patino's past. He's had this, he's had that. One, as you said, it's an NIL transfer portal world. Two, he's in New York. He's been cleared of everything. He's been cleared of wrongdoing. He's still winning at 71 years old. Um, just from the people you talk to, and I know you talk to people all over the city, you think there's any chance at all this could happen? Because that is the one guy, I don't know, may, maybe they will because it's St. John's. Just don't go half-assed. Just don't get the guy on the cheap. Don't get the guy on the rebound. He wants to be in New York. He wants to be at the power conference level. Make it happen. JJ, do you think there's any chance that it'll actually happen? I'd be surprised. Now, mm. my counter to that, Aaron, is if I ran St. John's, yes, I would hire Rick Pitino in five minutes. I, yes. There would be nothing to discuss. Whatever you want, coach, build me a winner, transform my program, do what you need to do. That would be my advice. From what I've heard, and again, this is just stuff that I've heard from people who cover the team, you know, getting some of those back channels around the city. Seems like their administration is not on board with bringing in Rick Pitino. Does something change between now 
And the hiring uh, cycle? Sure. Could boosters get involved? Could you hear some voices? Could media momentum generate maybe a change of heart? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily rule it out. But, you know, I talked to Zach Braziller covers St. John's in the Knicks. He's around the team. He's pretty tied into what's going on there. I asked him, I said, what's the deal? Can they get Patino? He goes, I doubt it. I go, why? He goes, it's not Patino. It's on their end. So, listen, that should be – I'm right there with you. You've been so bad for so long. This is a winning coach. I understand he does not have the best – Listen, I understand his resume. He's not a a choir boy, right? Like, we all know that. Rick Pitino is not a choir boy. Whoop-de-doo. Who cares? At this point, you want to win. Like, you're St. John's. You've stunk for 20 years. The guy is coaching in college basketball. He's working at a Jesuit university, Iona, isn't he? So, like, enough. (laughs) I'll hire him, please. If I ran a team, I wouldn't think twice, Aaron. No, I I feel much the same way. And kind of what I've been told is I think the school, as weird as it sounds, usually it's the AD that can't get the sign-off from the school president. I don't think the AD wants to do it because I think the AD thinks if it all, if it goes bad, Patino will get me fired. And it's like, yeah, but if you hire the wrong guy, you're going to get fired either That's way. That's going to get you fired anyway. Yeah, it's nonsense. Total That's nonsense. Total nonsense. All right. All right. JJ, John Dostramski. All right. So you're headed to, to uh, Arizona for the Super Bowl. I will not be there this year. But what do you guys got on tap? You're with the ringer. New York, New York is the podcast. What do you got going on over the next couple of days? Yeah, we got a ton of stuff going on. I mean, we'll be there tomorrow. Tomorrow's a light day. Wednesday picks up a little bit. Thursday and Friday are going to be very, very busy. So we'll have a bunch of guys. Uh, laundry list of NFL players. I'm not going to bore you with the names. Uh, a ton cool. of guys, current players, former players, a couple of broadcasters. So we got you covered there. We'll have a live show Sunday right after the game, which I'm fired up to do. Uh, we'll do that on Spotify Live and post it as a podcast. And yeah, man. And then it's the countdown to uh, March Madness, opening day, and all the other good stuff that's coming our way. St. John's will not be part of March Madness opening day. Yeah, I think that's either. a fair bet. Neither will Syracuse. And, and UConn better be careful. They're going to be out the first day like they were last year. I'll tell you, we, we can save that for another podcast. Um, UConn last week survived DePaul and Georgetown. I respect the hell out of Dan Hurley. I love him. Me too. I'm a I don't huge think, fan. I'm I don't a huge think... fan. I don't know why he's not had tournament success, though. I, last year, it's because you guys had no shooting. You had no that's offense exactly whatsoever. Right. This year, it seems like, all right, you've added some shooting, but your defense is taking a step back. I will just say, I've said this on this podcast many times, I think he's too loyal. He's playing a 10-man rotation in February. Nobody does that. You look at any successful coach, you mentioned Jay Wright, Rick Pitino, John Calipari, Eric Musselman, they're playing Mark Few, Tommy Lloyd, they're playing six, seven guys. And in the college basketball, listen, I respect Hurley. He's loyal to his guys. I think he probably envisioned certain roles for certain guys and they haven't delivered um, and he's still playing. And I guess that's like in some ways very admirable, but to me, it's just as a fan, it's just like you, there's like a seven group. There's like a group of seven guys that if you just play these guys, you'll probably win pretty convincingly, but you're playing 10 or 11 guys in any night. So anyway, you got stuff to do JJ, man. It's, it's been far too long. I mean, I haven't seen you in a year. Uh, but safe travels, man. And, uh, you know, we'll catch up at some point in the future. When Patino gets to St. John's, we'll have you back and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, that. I know. I like the sound of that. Listen, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad I got to talk some Syracuse. This was therapeutic. I had to do nothing but Kyrie Irving on Sunday. So uh, uh, this was exactly what I needed, my man. Thank you, bro.
Some call Jim Beheim the Kyrie Irving of college basketball, but that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. All right, John Jastrzemski, the ringer. Thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.